terrorist group in East Africa bombed a passenger plane that killed 300 people over Kenya. And so all flights in Kenya, including mine, were canceled. And so the mission agency that I was with ended up Mission of the World, which is the Presbyterian Setting Agency, ended up sending me to Ethiopia. My wife, uh, Laura, is from Sawdust, Tennessee, and uh, it's a real place. <laughs> and she uh, went to college in a town where there's 4,000 people. It's a very small college in Northwest Tennessee. She went back home her first summer of college. There's a bunch of college students and at least one med student in the room. Um, so her first summer, she went back home, took some community college classes, worked a couple jobs, um, and then went back that fall and said, that's a really crummy summer. That's not what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be fun in the summer. So she started recruiting all these applications for things she could do for next summer. The thing she really wanted to do was go work at Yellowstone as a waitress. But she went to the campus ministry, uh, like fall retreat, and picked up an application to work with this missions organization. And so she started filling out all the applications, filled out a missions application, and asked for a list of countries where you'd be willing to go. She had never been on a plane before, um, hadn't left the country before. And so she picked countries that sounded familiar to her countries like Mexico and Peru, and countries that, she says, countries that touch America. Um, and with a chuckle, her very last choice of places that she was going to go was Ethiopia. Didn't really know much about it, but she thought the idea of working with HIV education and AIDS and stuff like that sounded really cool as a social worker, which is what her degree was in. So I did the application. Two weeks later, gets a phone call from a pastor in her tiny little town who she'd never met before. Hey, Laura, I guess it's hard for her. Long story short, he said, I heard you want to go work with my son in Ethiopia. She was like, oh my God. And uh, they talk for a while, they get off the phone, and then she goes to look for a map to figure out where Ethiopia was. Um, but that's where we met. In 2003, we were interned on this HIV AIDS project with Mission of the World working in Ethiopia. And that's where we met, and then I started dating and married a couple years later. Um, but neither of us would have told you, man, you know, I really I feel called to Ethiopia. This is really what, you know, we had no idea at that point. We spent several summers back in Ethiopia, working as interns there. We lived there for a year during residency. We lived in the Ethiopian neighborhood in Atlanta. The Lord has just continued over and over and over again to put Ethiopia on path. Um, my wife, if you go to our website, it's pretty easy to remember. Our last name is Love and we're in Ethiopia, loveethiopia.org. My wife gave us thing called 31 Days of Calling, which is just 31 little, very seemingly insignificant, but when you add them all together, very significant ways the Lord has called her to ministry as well. Um, so, Ethiopia is in the Horn of Africa, over in East Africa. Um, Africa is a very large country. One time I went to Ethiopia and came back, and somebody said, Oh, you were in Africa? I said, Yes. And they said, Oh, I have this friend in Senegal. Did you happen to see them when you were there? So, Ethiopia is here, Senegal is here. And I said, No, I didn't run to them in the grocery store. Um, because Africa is a humongous continent. That's greater than the distance from. Seattle to Miami. Um, Ethiopia is about 10 times the size of Pennsylvania. It's a very mountainous country. Um, up in the north, you have places that are very, very hot. We'll be living in a high elevation, a little over a mile above sea level. And so the temperatures are actually very temperate all year round. Uh, it's a lovely place to live, um, even though it's very, very close to the equator. Um, so you can find very arid places like this out near Somalia. Um, but then there are mountainous, beautiful, lush, Scenes like this. It protects really well on my screen. Um, this is a picture taken on the mountain right here where we're going to be working in the hospital.
on Southern Ethiopia. Uh, next time you're at Trivia Night, here's a couple tidbits of trivia about Ethiopia. Uh, it's one of two countries that were never colonized during colonialism, the field known as Liberia. They were briefly occupied by the Italians during World War II, but they were never colonized. Um, it's the birthplace of coffee. We've been on uh, these monastery tours, and you go to these little islands out in the lakes in northern Ethiopia, and they're islands that are uninhabited but still have coffee plants growing. It's very interesting to go find coffee growing in the island place. Um, and it's also the chief headstream of the Nile River. Um, the Blue Nile. So here's Ethiopia. I believe the Ethiopian restaurant down the street is called Tana, which is after Lake Tana, which is the, the chief headstream of the Blue Nile, which is the main you know, branch of the Nile that joins with the White Mountain cartoon and goes on up to Egypt. Um, Ethiopia has a population quite a little bit bigger than that now, close to 110 million, uh, 12 in the world, second in Africa after Nigeria, which is the most populous. It's basically the opposite of America. In America, over 8% of people live in a city or a town, an urban population largely. Uh, Ethiopia is largely an isolated rural people. Uh, over 80% live you know, in a very, very small uh, town or community, and uh, a lot of practices are too small. That's probably too small to see, but those are some of the letters. Not all of them, but those are some of the letters in Ethiopian alphabet. Kids, how many letters in our alphabet? 26. 26. That looks like 26? No. We've got a lot of letters. Um, so we'll be uh, learning the language when we get there uh, better than we do now. Uh, but there's actually over 80 languages spoken in Ethiopia. Because these are rural people, these aren't dialects, technical languages, uh, where people would not be able to communicate with one another. So uh, communication actually is a really significant barrier uh, in Ethiopia and the hospital. Literacy is still less than 50%. Um, but there's something you can all recognize what that is. Just go to Cola and still get a high school code in the rural parts of Ethiopia. Talk about Ethiopia and the gospel. Um, the piece of the pie over here uh, is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Christianity and Ethiopia that are really long history. We read the word Ethiopia in our Bibles a lot of times. That refers basically to most of Africa south of Egypt. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. There's a growing Muslim population that says 34% on Iran is probably closer to 40% now. Evangelical Christianity is still somewhere under 20%. And then there are probably about 5% of people who, it says animism or other, you know, these are people who've never encountered Western civilization, electricity, running water. They live, you know, away from society and don't practice an organized religion of any kind. The, well, let's just so this is a passage from Acts 8. Um, this is where Philip meets with the eunuch. The eunuch is going down the road in the desert, reading from Isaiah 52, 53. Um, and he says, what, what is this about? What is this passage about? And uh, Philip opened his mouth and began to tell this Ethiopian eunuch the good news of the gospel about Jesus. And they were going along the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the Chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And the Orthodox tradition is that this man came back to Ethiopia with the gospel many, many centuries ago. Um, and so the Ethiopian Orthodox Church goes back a long, long time. It looks a little different. Um, I didn't see any, I didn't see Adam during that hour this morning. Uh, but that's the equivalent of, if you, any of you are familiar with Orthodoxy, it's the Coptic Church in Egypt, Eastern Orthodox and Western Orthodox Church. 
The Ethiopians have their own Orthodox Church and says that the Patriarch is their equivalent of a Pope, essentially. Um, very, very lovely people, but it's a religion that has largely lost sight of Christ. Uh, there's a lot of iconography, worship patron saints. Um, you'd be hard pressed to go into one of these churches and hear scripture being read or anything that resembles the gospel. So even though it's called Orthodox Christianity, Christ, and I like this picture because this is actually a picture of Christ, but Christ really is largely in the background and not distinguished from anybody else within the religion. So there's a need for knowledge of Christ um, that being said, the, the churches are absolutely gorgeous. Um, the people are lovely. This is our oldest kid when we lived there, um, I guess six, seven years ago. Um, it's, it, I mean, wonderful folks. Uh, people always ask, is it safe in Ethiopia? Is it a good place to go? Is, it, is the family going to be safe? Uh, this is Abiy Ahmed, the new prime minister in Ethiopia. He, uh, the way you're named in Ethiopia has a lot to do with your family and your cultural tradition. Abiy Ahmed, you'll notice in Muslim name, but his mom is an evangelical Christian. And he is a beautiful, lovely evangelical Christian who's been in power for a little over a year now and has brought great peace to that country. And so this is just one of the quotes, that's probably people want to read. Um, one of the quotes that he said, talking about uh, the border up north of Eritrea, to bring down the wall uh, between Ethiopia and Eritrea, that borderline is gone today. What we have seen is a display of true love, love is greater than modern weapons. Tanks and missiles love human hearts, and we've seen a great deal of that in northern Ethiopia. From this time on, the war is not an option for the people. What we need now is love. And I just, well, that, that's crazy to come out of the prime minister's mouth. Sounds a lot like you know, stuff that we would read in 1 Corinthians 13. Really cool things are happening in Ethiopia. That being said, there's an election coming up in about a year. Uh, there is significant uh, violence predicted as a result of that. Uh, we still continue to read. Lots of stories about people dying in riots. Um, when I said that there, were, there were over 80 different languages spoken, these are all different ethnic or people groups in Ethiopia, and they all want a little piece of the pie, economic, government pie. And so um, when I was there back in January, I drove down to the hospital and back. It's just a six-hour drive uh, to come back. But I went through about a dozen checkpoints, military checkpoints, each with people with you know, automatic machine guns and things like that. The problem is that as you drive through each province, you know, this guy's wearing a brown khaki outfit. These guys, this is a huge lorry full of about 40 people, all with automatic machine guns right in front of our car. This is a sticker on the windshield. Um, but they're wearing blue camouflage. They're all different militias, and there's prediction that there could be significant unrest as the next uh, election comes in about a year, year and a half. Um, so we would love prayer for that. Um, Talk a little bit about Ethiopia and, Ethiopia and surgery. Um, I want to show a lot of graphs, I promise. Uh, here's on the x axis is the percentage of the global health workforce. So, the percentage that each place has of health workers, doctors, nurses, PAs, all this, you know, the whole gamut. Here's the percentage of the global burden of disease. That's diseases which cause death or disability before you, know, you want to die somewhere. Our life expectancy in America is still close to 80. Life expectancy in Ethiopia is still just barely over 50. And so these are diseases that, that claim life early. And then the size of the circle has to do with how much money is spent on healthcare. So here in America, we have a tremendous percentage of the health workforce, a relatively low burden of disease, and we spend more money than any other continent listed here on healthcare. 
You go to a place like Africa, and they have virtually no health workers, tremendous burden of disease with early death and disability, and virtually no money to spend on the problem. Um, this is a standard map of the world. Um, the World Health Organization sets out metrics for how many doctors they recommend per population. And if you volume weight each country based on their position to population ratio, Sub-Saharan Africa essentially disappears. The orange countries are North Africa, which are more culturally, uh, economically, and religiously affiliated with the Middle East, so there's money and oil up in North Africa, and then that one country that you do see, this is South Africa, which is the middle income country, but the rest of Sub-Saharan Africa essentially disappears due to lack of healthcare workers. Um, and here's a little video that I hear about from me. Um, we'll see if the sound works. So if you'll just click anywhere on that white screen, that should work. Vaccine, and you save people from permanent disability early in their life or death. 
Um, the darker the country on this map, the greater the lack of access to surgery. Um, I always like to ask people, and I won't ask you what you had done, I promise. But just by showing hands, how many of you had surgery in the room? This happens every time. It just boggles my mind. So, like, 90% of the room. And in a place like Ethiopia, only one in ten of you would have had access to the operative intervention that you needed. And so if your disease was one that could have been lethal, you know, many of us wouldn't be here today in a place like Ethiopia. And rather than just talk about statistics that don't really mean much based on context, I thought I'd show some stuff that is more relevant to where we are. So these are different specialties within surgery. And so in the country of Ethiopia, there's 392 surgeons at the time of this survey for a population just under 100 million. Here in Pittsburgh, at just at UPMC, there's too many hospitals. I looked at the list of hospitals here. I couldn't, I didn't, I told you so much Google just at UPMC, and this is actually doctors who are within 20 miles of this zip code, 15206. Um, so these are all surgeons who practice within 20 miles of right here. There's 546 surgeons, not for our country, but for the city of Pittsburgh, and this is just one of several health systems here. And so that's for a population of the greater metro area, about 2.3 million. And what that means is that Ethiopia has less than half a surgeon per 100,000, and here we have over 100 surgeons per 100,000 people. And so uh, there's actually more surgeons in one Pittsburgh health system than there are in the entire country of one of the 12 most populous countries in the world. So just at UPMC, we have more surgeons than all of Ethiopia. Um, anybody know who this is? It's not you. I didn't I'm glad that Mike Tyson in the show. I'm putting the bank robber. Anybody know who that is? Famous New York Times uh, interview with a famous bank robber named Willie Sutton. They said, why do you rob banks? And the answer is, because that's where the money is. And so I constantly get asked, especially by you know, other surgeons and surgeons in the hospital, they say, you know, this is really like a waste, right? And you spent your entire life getting education. You have this tremendous wealth potential here in America. You've got a family with a little tiny baby. I mean, really, do you really feel like this is the right thing to do? Don't you feel like this is, can't you just send some money over there? Can't you just go on a little short-term trip? Why are you doing this? And the answer is because that's where the need is. That's where the Lord's called us. Um, Ephesians 2 says that we're God's kingdom, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We believe that these are those works which he's called us to do. Uh, Will Copeland is a neurosurgeon in rural Kenya, working with the same program that I'll be working with, just in a different, you know, one country down. Uh, I love this quote. He says that we believe that God, has, we believe God is asking us to put what we were clinging so tightly to all on the line, not because God was testing our allegiance, and not because God is insecure and He needed the reassurance, but because God is good and He wanted to free us of the things that He knows can never satisfy. That's what we were talking about this morning. You know, and because we know that in our choosing him over ourselves, his work is put on display for others to contemplate. And that's, I, I get to watch that in people's eyes as I tell them why we're going to be People's eyes kind of glaze over like, oh, this guy really is crazy. Um, but hopefully God's work is put on display. First uh, John 3.16, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and we know that's the world's goods. 
sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how is God's love abiding in little children? That's not love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. Um, kind of a gross picture, sorry kids, but we were talking last night about breast cancer. Um, you know, this is this is a common presentation for breast cancer. The lady will present, not because of the wound on her chest, but because of the pain in her back and the metastases that spread the cancer so that she can't carry water in the river or carry out her usual chores. Uh, medical knowledge in a place like Ethiopia that people knowing that they need to present for care is very, very important. There's generations of work to be done there. And so we're excited to be part of doing some of that. Um, here. Our, our vision um, is gospel proclamation, caring for the sick, uh, training, discipling, and surgeons. Those are the three main activities that we'll be involved in there. Um, again, people talk about why we would send a surgeon to go do a mission. It seems kind of silly. This is a guy named Charles Woodrow that spent, uh, I think, 20 or 30 years in Mozambique. Uh, these are just some of the things that he quickly listed off on the list. You know, the patients come to you. Uh, it's easy to, to access patients in a place where sometimes it would be difficult to get people to, to talk to you. Patients are clearly aware of their need, uh, physical and spiritual. When somebody comes to you with a spear hanging out of their side, they're aware of their need for reconciliation with their neighbor. It's not typical to prove that there's sin in the world. Um, you can have a large geographical influence. The hospital that we work at We'll have people who will walk, now this isn't like some huge exaggeration, people will walk for two days to get to our hospital. And it will take two or three days for us to find enough people to translate into their language. Um, you can reach people who would otherwise be unreached. Um, cultural privilege and entree, doctors are still uh, privileged as a good profession there in Ethiopia. Um, the testimony of the hospital can have a great impact on the community. And you get a lot of connections, not just within the local community, but all have connections within the Ministry of Health and other surgeons in the country. Um, so I'll be working with what's called the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons, or the PACS. And there's basically just two goals of PACS. The first is to train surgeons for Africa, to stay there and work. And the second is to disciple them in faith. So that when these men and women go out from our training program, they have a lasting impact uh, in their communities for, for Christ. Um, and this is the other video.
everything we need for a very good education. Personally, I, I came here with almost no knowledge. I acquired a lot of skills, than just a few skills I had. In me, I was thinking that the desire of you know, becoming a researcher one day, but I never knew how it would be possible. I finished my high school in a war situation, conflicts in a war, where I was fighting every day. I did instead of six or seven years, I did ten years because of that instability. There was no way to achieve what you are feeling. God helped me to go forward to pass, to achieve my dream. My plan is to go back to the public democratic of help those poor people who can't afford anything, who are dying because of lack of skills. Parks is the right calling and the right problems of God to the continent, which is torn, which is underserved. These are future leaders. They're not just surgical residents. They're going back to places in which there are virtually no surgical faculty. They will be the ones that change the medical landscape of their countries, and because of that, they'll have tremendous influence as believers and Christians. In discipleship, Paxas has made us think more about Christ. The preferences that are coming down in this, patients that have terminal illness, patients that have financial constraints as well. Doing the work I'm doing here in the hospital is so important for me because we are doing it differently. We glorify God, we glorify Jesus. We want people to see Jesus through us. To me, Pax is a gracious and God-given gift to the continent of Africa. My hope is that our residents will live the gospel and change the health of the whole country. This is the way to change medicine, the way to change Africa, the way to change people. I am completely in.
He was one of our graduates from the tax program. Um, we have graduated 14 surgeons just in our program in Ethiopia. Um, each of those, I don't know if too small, um, but each of those points to a country where there's a tax training program all over Sub-Saharan Africa. Addis um, Ababa is the capital of Ethiopia, right smack dab in the middle of the country. For the location that we'll be at this hospital training tax residence is called Soto. And we'll be at Soto Christian Hospital, it's about six hours south. Uh, it's a 100-bed hospital with four wards and an ICU. Um, we've got five operating rooms right now. Um, we have some radiology capabilities. Um, population of that town is about 80,000 people, but it serves a greater catchment area of about 2.5 million. Um, and it's considered to be one of the more ethnically diverse, impoverished, and populated parts of the area. Um, that's the front of the hospital. I noticed when I drove by in Kansas City yesterday, it was a little different than Kansas City. Um, it's a wonderful hospital. The top left picture is a uh, picture of the ICU. Um, on the right, you see just uh, an example of the fact that when we go around and see our patients on rounds in the morning, we don't just focus on their physical needs, but also their spiritual needs, which is what our residents are trying to command. Some radiology capabilities, as I said, affected a CT scan. Uh, we have a CT scan there at the hospital. Operations happen basically that you know, they have the same 46 chromosomes, same body parts that we do, um, just tremendously different uh, diseases in a lot of ways, and tremendously different resources, but we still operate the same way. You can hear uh, Andrew Chu is a guy from Australia who's been there for the past five years by himself running this program 24 7 call. As you can imagine, um, he is completely burned out. He's going back to his wife, Australia, in December. Um, and I'll be joining uh, David and Michelle Jeff Coach. Um, he's a surgeon from uh, UC San Francisco uh, in Fresno, and he and I will be partnering uh, to run the tax training program for at Central Christian Hospital. Um, everybody always asks, you just listed like six different organizations. Who are you actually with? Missions of the World is the sending agency for the Presbyterian Church in America. They put us through tremendous uh, vetting, and they'll be the ones who are responsible for sharing care, accountability. Make sure the rest of you are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, that being said, we'll also be working at Soto Christian Hospital to train residents with PACs. I know I mentioned this last night, but I hope that there's somebody medical in the room who this may benefit or that you'll tell somebody else in the future. MedSend is an organization that helps pay medical debt for as long as you're on the missions field. Most medical professionals, and that's not doctors only, that's nurses, PAs, uh, public health, lots of different stuff. You know, Therapists, they'll, they'll send all kinds of people. Um, they don't want your educational debt to be a burden to keep you from the missions field. And so if you're accepted by medicine, they will pay your debt as long as you're on the field. They'll pay your payments. And so we've been accepted by medicine, and so you know, I'm going to have to Miami, really cheap possible living there, as you might imagine. And um, we paid a ton of that debt down, but we still have debt from some med school. And so medicine will be paying some. And I'll also, I have a faculty appointment uh, with Emory Department uh, of Surgery, so we'll be having uh, surgeons and public health uh, practitioners coming over to help with the work as well. Um, Lord and I were reflecting uh, this morning about how our prayer requests have changed so much because God has answered so many. Um, so we're grateful that you guys would be interested in hearing and praying with us. Um, it's a very heavy schedule transitioning to Ethiopia um, with a baby who's been described by her. 
Um, we leave uh, a week from tomorrow to go to Europe for a month-long cross-cultural training. Um, where, we'll, where we'll be there for a month and then we come back and I take uh, some more call the hospital to fulfill my contract with my hospital here in America before I leave for Ethiopia, hopefully, uh, middle of August. Um, we really would covet your prayers for our children. Um, children are a reason why missionaries leave the field. It's one of the top five reasons why they leave the field because their kids have a problem with cultural problems, adaptation, um, unfortunately, issues with abuse. So we just ask that our kids who would be and um, encouraged and supported by the Lord and us, obviously. Truly, I'm not saying this out of false humility. 
places that I wouldn't survive for 10 days. You know, truly difficult practice environments uh, with these men and women are equipped in ways that I could never be uh, serving people by me. So. Awesome. Uh, I, I try to share some information, but we're not going to live in grass huts. Um, but we could, I guess. Uh, the houses are cement block with red tin roofs and uh, running water and electricity. We have um, there's a little playground that was made there. Um, the typical house there, I don't know if you can see, there's a, a water tank up on the power here, so when we do have water, we try to store as much of it as possible with a diesel generator and compound. Um, so those are the kind of the houses look like. It's, I mean, it's not dry, hot, and ugly like you picture or something. I mean, it is like a utopian paradise. Please don't visit. <laughs> doing this program soon. How long has been, have we been doing the program? Yeah. So the, the training program in Africa has been there for 10, no, 14 years, since 2005. And um, we hope that it will continue going on for many more years. We have not lived there working with PACs yet, but we'll be there for really long. Thank you. 
It's very different.
so much for that. Um, maybe after we're done with the singing and everything, we can put that prayer request slide back up. Um, once we're at the end of everything, you can stay with that. They'll be around a little bit, so do make sure you catch them up in the middle and pray for them. Uh, is there some sort of like email subscription or something like that that you will... There's a sign up paper here, or if you go to our website, you can do you can sign up on there as well. There's a blog and emails a lot of different stuff on the website. Okay. Well, I encourage you to go on the website, check out the 31 days. 